Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Please be seated. The two weeks that surround every Memorial Day are usually a busy time for me, even in my retirement. Memorial Day is a time for reflection, attending commemorations and giving thanks for those who have lost their lives in military service. And therefore, as a veteran, I consider it very a very important time for me. When one joins a military service, being at Army, Army, Army National Guard, Air Force, Air National Guard, or the Navy or Marine Corps, or even the Coast Guard, they never know what duties or locations they may be assigned to, or the dangers to which they might be exposed. Even amid monotonous, even amid, even amid monotonous day-to-day -day peacetime activities in the confines of a U.S. military base, things can turn ugly in a very short time. The name Nidal Hassan, an Army major at Fort Hood, particularly comes to mind. Major Hassan, an Army psychiatrist, was scheduled to deploy to Afghanistan and was preparing for his deployment at the Fort Hood Texas Sol Soldier Readiness Processing Center when all of a sudden he stood up and began shouting, Allahu Akbar, which means in Arab, God is great, and then targeted soldiers there with a high-powered, high-capacity handgun that he had fitted with laser sights. He was apprehended by military police after firing more than 200 rounds of ammunition, murdering 13 soldiers and wounding 32 others. At his court-martial, he was sentenced to death and is awaiting execution that may never happen before his natural death takes place. Although we are currently fighting an active war in both Iraq and Afghanistan, nobody could have foreseen the happening of this event on U.S. soil. And yet, these 45 victims, all of whom received Purple Hearts, are considered active casuals, casualties of this war in the Middle East that we continue to fight today. Last Sunday, I was not able to attend services with you because I was busy honoring all those military personnel who gave their lives for this Middle East war. I so wanted to give my blessing to Father Greg and his family, along with you, as they were preparing for his sabbatical. However, I had already committed myself to this other meaningful event that I felt obligated to attend. Back in 2010, I was asked to give the invocation at the dedication of the Northwood Gratitude and Honor Memorial in Irvine, California. How in the world they decided to call me, I don't know. <clears throat> um, but uh, this last Sunday was the fifth time that they asked me back, and so I could not refuse. This memorial is dedicated to the soldiers and sailors, as well as airmen and women, who have died as a result of ongoing military action in both Iraq and Afghanistan since 2003. Today, there are more than 6,900 names carved on the marble tablets that are inlaid on each of the four sides of five rectangular pillars that stand as monuments to the fallen. Until last Sunday, I never realized 
how much this memorial has meant to me, nor how much my words have meant to others until I finished my benediction and began a return to my seat. As I walked toward my seat, I felt a hand on my shoulder. It was the hand of Pam Rogan, who was one of the founders of this memorial project and whose husband had engineered the construction of the five pillars, which are known as sentinels. Pam was acting MC for the evening. Don't sit down yet, she said. And when the man who had been sitting next to me approached the podium as Pam told the audience how much my participation in my words had meant to her and others during the years that I was blessed to provide the words of dedication, invocation, and benediction, and where many of those who attended, the, um, had, had who attended had lost family members in the war, um, I began to cry. And I began to cry as I accepted a challenge coin and a flag that has flown over the memorial. Now, how does all this relate to the lessons for this week? Well, for one thing, although Paul and Silas accepted their commissions, not from the military, but from God, they, like most military members, accepted all the risks that went along with their service. And they were rarely rewarded by others for their dedication to that service. They also accepted the prospect that their services to God might demand hardship and could also include beatings, imprisonment, and even the possibility of death. And as the lesson from Acts for today confirms, they were in fact beaten and imprisoned as a result of their activities. Obviously, Paul and Silas were willing through their extraordinary faith in God to, expect, to accept any and all other, other consequences of their actions. Although nothing is known about the death of Silas, tradition holds that St. Paul was eventually martyred in Rome perhaps as a part of the Christian executions ordered by the Roman Emperor Nero. My point is, is that there's a certain military attitude that comes with being missionary Christians, like Paul and Silas. It is the attitude of thy will, not my will, be done. And there's a willingness to face an ever-present danger in whatever one might, that, and whatever that might bring. I remember, for example, Steve Veselsky, one of our missioners, told me that missionaries in the Czech Republic must be careful that they do not anger the, the Czech government by their activities. And we also know that those who work in the Middle East or in Africa, China, or even other so-called civilized countries must be ever mindful of the powers that their governments can conjure up when they feel opposed by missionary forces. And so it is no wonder that sometimes we sing seemingly militant hymns like Onward Christian Soldiers, or I sing a song of the saints of God. They remind us that Christianity is not necessarily a passive religion. There is sometimes an element of militance as well as risks in what we may be called to do, whether it might be imprisonment or even death as, as faced by Paul and Silas, or as in our case, just taking the risk of being embarrassed when our attempts to tell non-Christians about Jesus Christ are rejected. While God, while God calls us to worship, he also calls upon us to act on his behalf 
as well. We are, whether we like it or not, a missional people commissioned by God. And there are some people in this church, like Steve Baselski, who have especially taken this to heart. He is translating the Book of Common Prayer into the Czech language. The Barber family is another example where Steve, Betty, and their family have served as missionaries with the Wycliffe Bible Translators Service. And finally, we have a newly ordained deacon, Wale, who, by the way, tonight is attending a wedding, who will, upon ordination to the priesthood, become a Navy chaplain under the supervision of the Anglican Bishop of the Military and under the command of the Chief Chaplain in Washington, D.C. It is people like Wale, Steve Baselski, and the Barbers who continue, continue to give honor to the missionary traditions of the Anglican Church in North America. It is then our heritage, our honor, and our obligation to further the missionary efforts of the church by living the Great Commission initially given to the disciples and apostles by Jesus Christ. As the hymn, I Sing the Song of the Saints of God states and ends, they love their Lord so dear, so dear, and his love made them strong. And they followed the right for Jesus' sake, the whole of their good lives long. And one was a soldier, and one was a priest, and one was slain by a fierce wild beast. And there's no, not the reason, no, not the least, why I shouldn't be one too. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.